everybody. Welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast. My name is Tiffany Bova, and I have the amazing pleasure of welcoming Dr. Michelle Johnson to the show today. She is a management professor, executive coach, and leadership expert, helping leaders achieve results through meaningful connection. She is an award-winning professor studying leadership and business communication, and her research has shown a clear link between a team's effective communication and its positive financial performance. She serves as the Gastor Chair of Business at Loyola University, New Orleans, where she teaches in the graduate and undergraduate program in the College of Business. But she has a book out called The Seismic Shift in Leadership, which came out early 2022, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So welcome, Michelle, to the show. Thank you, Tiffany. Thanks so much for having me. Amazing. Well, we are going to start with the fun, bullish and bearish, three short questions. You know the drill. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? Ready. All right. The first one, a hotel in space, bullish or bearish? Bullish. Oh, wow. All right. Would you go on a spacewalk too or just? Absolutely. I love everything space. The fact that we just shot into an asteroid uh, is really one of the coolest piece of news that I've heard in a long time. Yes. I would agree. That was kind of very Armageddon of us. Right. Yeah. All right. The next one. Uh, career coaching, bullish or bearish? <laughs> bullish. That, I do a lot of that. Yeah, that was a softball. That was a softball. Yeah, All right, the last one, a little closer to home, a robot jazz band. Yeah, definitely bearish because I live in New Orleans, the city of jazz, and I don't want no robot replacing my jazz musicians. <laughs> All right. Well, I knew that that would, uh, you know, that was sort of a fun, uh, a fun way to get us started. Um, so, you know, I want to jump right in because, you know, calling the book The Seismic Shift in Leadership is not a small pivot. It's not kind of rethinking. You have come out and said, this is seismic. And so let's begin there. What what got you to say that we are at this big inflection point? Yeah, I think that there are seismic shifts happening in every part every inch, every molecule of workspaces these days. When I started writing the book, the reason why I went so extreme to say seismic shift is because as an executive coach, I was on the front line watching leaders fail. And, and, it, and I mean, it was happening again and again and again, and it was the same theme. The leaders who were subscribing to that old control, micromanagement, authoritarian leadership style were creating cultures of fear. And it was doing the exact opposite that they want. I mean, it was the exact opposite of innovation. When you've got a culture of fear, you've got people who, who end up becoming competitive with themselves, anxious, they won't speak up. And so these companies were wondering, why aren't we innovative? Because you've got a culture of fear because you keep employing and promoting the leaders who were, who were subscribing to that old style. So I realized that this seismic shift was happening and what was needed was connection. And that was even before the pandemic. So you can imagine, Tiffany, that this message is quite timely now. So I held on to the book. The book was supposed to be published in March of 2020. And that's when the entire world shut down. And here I wrote a book on the importance of connection 
in order to get any result. Connection drives results. And then the whole planet Earth was disconnected and couldn't really (laughs) communicate well. And so I held on to it. I said, I've got to figure this out, how in the world we're going to connect in a disconnected world. So I went back and interviewed half of the leaders, the global leaders that initially interviewed, and I found strategies for how we connect in this hybrid world. And I think that's why the book is an Amazon bestseller and reached number two and keeps getting written up in Forbes. I think the message is just timely. Yeah. And I think, listen, there is the sort of concept of that beginner's mind, right? Having the space for new concepts, you know, otherwise you have that expert's mind, which is we tried this, it didn't work, it failed, or that's not the way we do it here, or our culture wouldn't let us do it, or whatever the reason is why not to do it, that I find many leaders struggle with that beginner's mind because they're uncomfortable, they're, you know, the fear of failure themselves, like just, you know, forget that culture of fear is sort of, you know, culture. But if fear is at the top, that the leader is fearful of, I don't want to make a mistake or I don't want to be transparent and vulnerable, which I'm going to guess you would agree with this, that they're not available for those connections. Yes. That is exactly what I found. So I don't want your listeners to think like, oh, you know, Michelle is this connection guru, came out of the womb. No, 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 no. I loved command and control. Like I was the professor who would walk into the MBA classroom and and I was that leader, right? Because I was surrounded by it. That's what uh, success looked like to me. I'm of a certain age where that was very normal. So that's why I thought this was a real seismic shift because I was, I was like, whoa, all of these leaders who think they know what it takes to be successful, they're no longer connecting with their team. You're absolutely right because they're not connecting with themselves. So they're not showing up authentically. Their, their teams don't trust them. And then when you don't trust them, then there's no connection and it just all falls apart. The dominoes were all following, following falling all around me. And that's why I had to, I just felt like I had to get the message out there. There's a better way. When I say connection drives results, it really is connection at three levels. And you had mentioned it, Tiffany, it's got to start with you. So many leaders were fearful. They were fearful of making a mistake. So they were showing up as perfectionists. And if you're showing up as a perfectionist, that that means you're demanding perfection in others. There's no such thing as perfection. And all of a sudden you've you've got a team who doesn't want to take risks and they don't want to ask what might be perceived as a stupid question. And then you have people, and then all of a sudden you're in the stifling environment. And, And so what I'm advocating is leaders right now need to create cultures of connection. And guess what? This is hard. This is not easy because we're in this hybrid world. So we've got Zoom fatigue. We're trying to figure out how you connect in a virtual environment. People, you know, companies are trying to get their employees back in person and they're getting a lot of pushback. How it, It's just not as organic anymore. Connection now, you've got to be really intentional about it. Well, I think the there's so much that I could say against what you just said that came to my mind, right? That I'll start at the top of what you said, and hopefully I'll catch everything I was thinking as you were talking. Um, the, the first one was that kind of, you know, authentic self, showing up as that authentic self. And, and I can tell you that when I use those kinds of words with certain leaders, they get uncomfortable right out of the bat because they, they, they don't know what does that mean? Like, you know, it's squishy, it's soft, it's I can't measure it. You know, it's all of those things. Um, so when you say authentic, let's start there. So 
you know, if you feel like you're showing up your authentic self every day um, and you were to try to explain it to someone who maybe you thought wasn't showing up authentic, what does that look like? You know what? I'm going to start saying that differently because I absolutely agree with you. I get a lot of pushback too in my coaching is, um, and even Marshall Goldsmith, my mentor, he and I had a disagreement about this on my podcast. He said, I don't believe that you can really show up authentically at work um, and be successful. And I said, well, what I mean when I say showing up authentically might be different from what he means. I mean that you're truly connected with yourself and you're comfortable in your own skin and you're not trying to be someone else, your former boss, your former mentor, or maybe in your head what you think success looks like because people can sniff that out. And that's what I found, you know, whenever I begin a coaching relationship, I conduct a 360 and I have all of this robust qualitative data about these leaders. And I started going back, the leaders that were failing, and, and I was hearing the same things from the people. We don't really know why, but we feel like the leaders hiding pieces and parts of themselves. They're trying to be somebody else. They're not comfortable in their own skin. So when you're hiding pieces and parts of yourself, that means you're not showing up authentically. And and even on Zoom, people can people don't like that. So maybe maybe I need to start saying rather than show up authentically, maybe I need to start saying, you know what? Just show up as, as as your real self. Stop trying to be somebody else. Show up as a as as who you are genuinely, and also show up as someone who cares about your people. So that's also what I mean to be authentic. Is it's not just all about results. Employees aren't responding to that anymore. Like you know, okay, so I haven't seen you in a month. What what's your uh, what's your goal? Did you meet your goal? Okay, great. You you know, show up and show care and compassion for your people. So show up as a whole human being and show care and compassion to your people like they're whole human beings. Does that make more sense? It, it does, but you know, it, yes, right? I'm just going to say yes, sort of period. I'm not going to say a but, right? I'm like, yes, period. And I agree. I think that the more we, and, and I'll just speak from my own uh, experience. I was doing an interview um, it was on, it was live TV and I, we were doing, I, you know, I was sharing sort of some research that we had done around, I was during the pandemic kind of how do you work in a hybrid world and what does it mean to connect and show up and, you know, all these sort of things we're talking about. And I was using some of those words, right? Like authentic self, like being transparent, like leading with people first. And, and the person who was interviewing me literally stopped me and said, that all sounds great. Those are buzzwords. Like, what does it really mean? And really kind of right in my tracks, right? It was like in the middle of a live TV interview. And she wasn't wrong. It Those are sort of words that, you know, don't have the, like your example versus what Marshall would say about, you know, authentic self. We all come with kind of our own definition. And whenever I kind of double click underneath it or unpeel that onion, I, I, I sort of feel like, look, if you didn't have connection pre-pandemic, you're really in trouble during pandemic, right? If you didn't have connection pre-pandemic, you struggled to find it post-pandemic or, you know, it, now where we are in the pandemic, I shouldn't say post, let me clarify that, that, that on the other side of this, now you're trying to get people to come back to the office and they don't have a connection with the brand, the company and or the leaders. And so we never gave them a reason why to show up every day and go that extra mile. And now we're asking them to show back up. And so I feel like leaders need to shift the mind and sort of be like, I can't just tell them or ask them to come back to the office. 
They need a reason to come back. Like, why should they come back? Because if they feel like they've lost that connection, you had it before the pandemic happened, right? But if you didn't have it, they don't feel like they've lost anything. Well said. You are absolutely right. I was calling it for a while while we were still in the middle of the pandemic. I was calling it extraordinary connection. It takes extraordinary effort right now to to get people motivated and that they buy into the why. And, and you're absolutely right, Tiffany. So when I think about connection, as I was sharing earlier, I think about it at three levels, that connection with yourself, owning your journey so that you can show up as a compassionate human who cares, and then connection with your team. And that's embedding time and really making the effort to get to know them as and, and, and personally, just as full humans. And then that level, which you were just referring to, the connection with your organization, really, really understanding. Hubert Jolie just wrote a book. I love him. Um, the Heart of Business. And he's now at Harvard. And he posted something today. He's in my 100 Coaches group. And he posted something today on LinkedIn that said, a leader absolutely has to align their personal values with the values of the company if they're going to be believable and get people to follow them. And that to me is level three connection. It's really aligning yourself with that mission of the company so that you can bring other people along. When I interviewed um, the 18 global leaders for my book, there were so many, Tiffany, that told me that that they had, one of them had a 9-11 experience. They were up on an airplane working for a for-profit hospital system, and they were the ones who had to go in after they just purchased a hospital and tell all these people that they had just lost their jobs. And so he was in midair and the pilot goes on and says, we have to live. There's been a, you know, an emergency. We have to land the airplane. And he, as soon as he got off the airplane, he said, I can't do that anymore. It doesn't align with my value system. So you really want to make sure that you're able to show up. And that's that that connection piece, right? A lot of people will experience cognitive dissonance, which led to the great resignation. If you're not able to really believe in what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're selling, right? Then people are like, I can't do this anymore. And, and that's just being fake, right? So connection with yourself, connection with your team and connection with your organization. To me, those three levels are just vital right now for leaders to succeed. Absolutely. And I've had Uber on my show uh, a, a couple of times. He's highlighted in my next book. Um, and he has a huge uh, sort of section of our conversation on the danger of perfection. Um, so if you want to listen to that, that podcast. Oh my gosh, Tiffany, I had no idea. He's literally one of my heroes. Yeah. I love Uber. Yeah. He, uh, we did a LinkedIn live together. Um, and, and uh, anyway, yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's um, perfectionism sort of is that kind of think thought process at the leadership level that doesn't allow them any space, you know, and the example I always give and, and for my listeners, they've heard me tell this story uh, before, but so forgive me if you're hearing it again, but I always use the television show undercover boss as my greatest example of this failure of connection that they spend sort of the first five or six minutes of the show wasted putting hair and makeup on a leader. So no one recognizes them. Well, no one would recognize them anyway because they never leave their office. They manage from the four walls, they manage from the spreadsheet, and they've made decisions based on profit over purpose instead of purpose over profit and profit over people instead of people over profit, right? If you start to align those things differently, 
in the, you know, halfway through the show when they're like, oh, I didn't know this was happening in my business. I'm screaming at the television. Like if I really want to get myself worked up about what I do for a living, I just watch Undercover Boss because it's like, yes, that's why I do what I do. Right. Because in the end, it's how do you get those voices and, you know, a la Tom Peters uh, management by wandering around, you know, you've just got to get out of your office. Now, if you're listening and you're not a leader in the corner office, but you're a leader of a team or you're on a team, like how do you then start to reach across the aisle to create these connections in this time where quite frankly, people aren't going back to the office, you know, or they're not, you know, or they're not, uh, you know, um, uh, willing to. And so half the team is in the office, half the team is not in the office. You know, some of the leaders are in the office, some of the leaders aren't in the office. And I think this makes decision-making much more difficult. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I was in a, um, getting to know some salesforce.com executives and they told me that their employees kept saying, we don't want to go back in the office. So this particular executives, her, her whole entire team is still remote. I said, so what are you doing connecting? How are you connecting? She said, well, now quarterly, we now either rent retreat centers, we're building our own because we have got to get our teams together face to face. So a lot of people think that they're saving money in real estate because people aren't coming to the office, but it's just really shifting because we need face-to-face. I was working with Qualcomm out in San Diego. Every quarter, Don McGuire, the chief marketing officer, and I would bring, he would bring his entire division in from around the world in between the lapses of the different variants of of COVID um, just to get people in the same room in order to figure out how to still be the leading technology company. And that's expensive, right? It really is, but that's what we're finding. We need to get people together, even at least on a quarterly basis, if they're still working remotely. And there's so much about human connection. And I can just say, you know, during the pandemic, like that was the hardest thing for me was, um, you know, in 2019, I flew 275,000 miles. Okay, 2020, I'd already flown almost 70 and I was in Sydney literally three days before the border closed and and I got back in, thankfully, but all of a sudden, everything I knew and did for my job, right, completely shifted, right? Everything shifted. So, you know, you, all of a sudden, I, I, I couldn't put my finger on why I was feeling so like out of sorts, I would, I had become more busy because now I could do two or three things in a day versus one every two days. Right. Cause I didn't have to travel. So I was busier. Okay. Check. Right. But I wasn't having those stimulating conversation, like feed my fuel human connection. So it made me a little bit, um, I'm going to put this in air quotes, right? Bored and uninspired. And so for someone like me, that combination was awful. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't find my way through this. Like, you know, how do I, and I realized it was this lack of connection that the screen of 15, you know, little images and you know, or the hundred images, or I'm talking to a camera and I see nobody. And then there's a thousand people on the other side, you get nothing back. Like I was more exhausted every day. And what did you do? That is fascinating. What did you end up do to, to get yourself out of that? So, you know, it was, I didn't, like, I say this now, like, okay, this is what was happening, but it took me like, it took me a good year to figure out what, what was sort of driving what I was feeling and what I was sensing and what was happening and, you know, all of those things. 
and, and once again, I was really busy. So it wasn't like I just checked out because I couldn't check out, right? I had to obviously keep working. But I, I, I then started to say, okay, how do I, how do I reverse this, right? How do I create a, a space for me to find connection where I'm not face-to-face, right? And so then I said, okay, I'm going to start sort of my, you know, my personal board of directors. We're going to get together virtually, you know, every yeah. week so that I could feed the fuel of, I'm not the only one feeling this because if I'm the one giving throughout the day, like I don't get anything sort of back, right? And so I had to make time and space for that. I made more time and space for myself. Um, I work for Salesforce. Um, so they gave us wellness days, uh, you know, one Friday a month, they gave us 30 Thursdays, no meeting. And then we started async weeks when we bought Slack. And now we've moved to these flex agreements where teams actually can agree individually as teams when they come back, where they come back and how they come back. And I think we all started to figure out that this connection was what was missing. And so I think everybody went through their own journey with their own stories and hopefully many have come out the other end of it. Um, I feel better for the experience I had because it actually really connected me to my why. um, And it really connected me to my how and my what, right? And then I could show up in a better position, right? To to show up healthier when you truly understand what makes you tick, what brings you joy, who are you? What, what drives you every day? You're absolutely right. The more you as leaders, the more you spend time really reflecting and, and learning about you and, and your, your good, your bad, your ugly, your blind spots, what brings you joy, then you get to show up, right? It goes back to then you show up authentically and you're not just faking it. And, and you have to be vulnerable, like you said, to say, this is hard. I'm having a hard time. I'm sure your listeners, like, you're such a badass, Tiffany. I'm sure your listeners are like, wow, it's really good to know that Tiffany kind of struggled too, because that was really hard. Yeah, it was interesting. My inner circle, like, wouldn't take that from me. Like, I'd start to say it, like my close tribe, right? My close friends, like my close confidence. They'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd say I'm really struggling. They'd look at me like, oh, wait, what? Like, <laughs> Like, but and it's refreshing to yeah, hear that. Yeah. And it's that's what I'm saying about that connection with yourself so you can show up as a real person. I mean, all of these calls that we've had when, uh, you know, unexpectedly a, a baby um, and a UPS man and a child. And I remember interviewing Juan Martin, who's the global president of Kind Bars fascinating interview and he had gotten stuck in Madrid for the pandemic in this tiny little office without a door and he had two tiny kids and a wife and I mean whenever we had an interview one of his kids would come bouncing and sit on his lap daddy when are you getting off of your call going back between Spanish and English and he handled it with with such grace didn't make any apologies or excuses because that's his life he has a full life it's not just professional. And that's what I'm stressing too. We can't now, the toothpaste is not going back in the tube. We can't now pretend like, oh, 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 yes. Once we shut the door, we're now all professional because we still have full lives. Right. You right. know, and, right. and that's what I mean is just showing up saying, this is really hard. I'll give you another example. One of my leaders, she's so brilliant. She's the chief of compliance and risk for a huge hospital system. And she was about, about to send out an email she worked on for the last quarter of the year, that big push email. You can do it. What are your final goals? What are you going to do? And on our coaching call, she said, Michelle, I couldn't do it. I just scrapped the whole thing. She goes, they're so burned out. I said, what'd you do instead? She said, instead, I sent an email saying, please tell me what the one thing is you're going to take off your plate. 
because you all have been amazing and you're exhausted and you're burned out and you can't do it all. And that's okay. Game changer. She showed up as human and she said, I'm giving you permission because this is that this push is, is, and again, this is a hospital system, which is very different. I mean, talk about going through a pandemic in a hospital system. They are exhausted. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot this a little bit as we sort of wrap this up because, you know, I have had a number of coaches on my show. I've had Marshall. I'm part of the MG 100 as well. I don't coach in the same way you do. Um, but I, I would say that I think there is a question out there, at least I think there is from the listeners of why do you need a coach? When do you need a coach? What's the value of a coach? And then, so that kind of answer. Then the second thing I'd love to ask is, okay, how do, if this isn't a mentor conversation, right? This is literally a coach conversation. And then how do you find that coach? I think people don't have a clear understanding. Like we talked about Uber, Jolet, the former CEO of Best Buy. His coach was Marshall Goldsmith, whom we've just spoken about and, and has been, both of them have been on the show. And, and so, you know, I, I think that people don't understand sort of when a coach, why a coach, how a coach, and how do you find it? If you could just, you know, minus the book, right? Just talk about what does that coach look like and what do they do for people? And when in their career, right? Some people think I need to be a leader or when do I get one? So how would you respond? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll frame it with one of my, um, one of my dear friends, Warner Thomas, he actually just took the position. He was the CEO of Oxter Health here with 36,000 employees. And he just took the position of CEO of Sutter Health out where you are, out in California. And, and, and he told me something. He said, you know, I've got 450 high level leaders. And he said, and I'm going to invest in them. And if their performance review comes back that they are high performing, then by gosh, they get a coach. Because this is hard. And, and he said, I've had a coach for years and I'm going to invest in my people. So if you are designated a high performer and you're a leader in my organization, you get a coach. So that's what's really cool about coaching. It's for the high performers in order to bring in this outside perspective. So if you think of it like this, as a coach, I have about 16 CEOs that I coach right now from all different industries. So I'm able to bring in this different perspective when I'm having this call with somebody in healthcare or somebody at Capado, MongoDB. Um, and so whether it's technology or, or healthcare, how do you build a team? How do you motivate a team? How do you communicate with the team? How do you own your calendar? What does that look like? How do you truly connect? And I'm able to bring in these, these ideas from all over the place, right? That I'm hearing best practices. I think that's what a coach really helps you really, really helps you think through and show up as your best self and, and share best practices that you can employ. So, you know, this is a coaching call. Let's pretend, right? Do I call you and say, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm thinking about planning in all hands, you know, offsite. These are the things I was going to talk about. And you might help me through the agenda. What would be the best things to do? Is it, Hey, I've got to, um, I need to coach someone on my team and I need to give radical candor and I don't have time to re read Kim Scott's book. So like, how do I do that really effectively? Is it like they ask you, Hey, I'm challenged with something or I'm, you know, that, that is exactly right. And so since I'm the, since I'm the person that I begin our coaching calls with, tell me about a way that you really connected since we've talked in the past and tell me about um, somebody that you that you're struggling with that you'd like to connect with more. And so we really focus on 
on how they run meetings, how they own their calendars, how they have an offsite, how they truly as a leader are showing up, making sure that they're connected and making sure that they're embedding time to connect with others. So we call it rounding. Even when you're not a physician, we want you to round an hour a day. And sometimes on in this hybrid environment, that means just literally having office hours, Tiffany. So some of my leaders will say, you know what? I know it's really hard to, to schedule time. I'm going to have some office hours. Pop in. Pop in on Zoom. I'm just going to be here working. Would love to catch, you know, catch up with you. Juan Martin of Kind Bars is also coached by Marshall. And he said that he, he connects with his people by having a, in a cup of espresso. So if, if it's a 30-minute one-on-one, he's having espresso with them, talking personal, family, children for 10 minutes. That's what I talk about. That's what I mean about real meaningful connection. So yes, a lot of my conversations with my clients are about how are you meaningfully connected with your people? Because that's the only way you're going to drive results right now. So you mentioned kind of taking high performers and coaching them to the next level, but what if I'm not a high performer, right? And there's a reason I'm not a high performer. There are many reasons, not just a reason, right? But there are many reasons I am not a high performer and I want to be better. I want to be better at what I do. I want to move up the ladder. But I think one of the things, you know, the Peter principle, once again, I will use myself. I was a high performing sales rep, very high performing. So then I became a sales leader and then I became, or, you know, a sales team manager and then a group manager, then a manager, then a VP, then, a, you know what I mean? I moved all the way up the food chain. But with each promotion, I was never coached or trained. I never got the tools. I had to go externally and do it on my own, right? Go to take the Wharton executive management class, go take a management class, you know, at SC, go take a finance class, you know, on the weekends at UCLA. Like it was all self-motivated, which is my big thing is be a student of whatever profession you're in um, and be that student. Don't wait for somebody to do it for you. If you don't invest in yourself, nobody else will. So I think it's a combination of what if you are, you're not a high performer yet. You want to be a high performer or you've just gotten the promotion and you have imposter syndrome. Like, what am I doing here? I don't know what to do. So minus a high performer, what do you do for a coach? Yeah. So that's where the 360 really comes in is um, you've got to have this, you know, I, I call it your playbook, but it's usually about 20 pages of qualitative data have how others perceive you. And, and Marshall said something, one of my favorite quotes Marshall Goldsmith said is leaders are held hostage by how other people perceive them. So that's the, that's the blueprint right there. You might think you're really great at X, but others don't see you as being really great at that. So this is your time to say, okay, here's your reckoning, right? Let's, let's, fi- let's fix these gaps between self-perception and other perception. That's how you become a high-performing leader. You got to see how other people perceive you so you know what to do differently. And then you ask for their, for their help. So it really is a total a shift is saying, you know what? I'm not in control of everything. I want to be better. Will you help me be better? Because I see that I'm not the best listener. I keep interrupting. I take up all the airspace. I want to be a better listener. Will you help me? That's the key. Yeah. I, I, I often give people this challenge that to find and uncover your superpower, whatever that might be. And so if you're invited to a meeting, whoever held the meeting after the meeting, pull them aside and ask them, why did you invite me to the meeting? Like, I'm not asking like in a junk way, you know, I was going to use it <laughs> explicit, but not in a junk way. Like, don't pull them aside and say, you know, like, why did you have me in this meeting? I don't mean in that tone. I mean, why did you have me in this meeting? You, you felt that I would add some value where, where, where and how am I adding value and do that for a week or two and actually 
write down what people say. At the end of that two weeks, you've kind of have a mini 360, right? Because not everyone has the access to do a full-blown 360. You have a mini 360 of what people value of you, or they may say, I'm not sure. I just wanted you to be here. Well, that also tells you that was probably not a great use of your time. So the next time they invite you, say maybe and reply back and say, please let me know what you'd like me to contribute to this meeting, right? Because we don't have enough time. What can I take off your plate, right? That once again, be in control. Then if you start hearing, the reason is because you bring this unique perspective about these topics. Now you know that's your superpower. That's where you double down. That's where you go. That's where I'm going to focus. How do I get better at that superpower? And that superpower will take you far. How's that? Love it. Absolutely. Yes. Brilliant. Love it. All right. Well, Michelle, <laughs> we ran out of time a few minutes ago, but I just you know, wanted to round this out um, because I think that I have a lot of coaches on um, and I think people think it's unattainable for them or that they're not ready for one or they maybe they can't afford one. Um, but there are ways in which you can do that. And I think it is just so critical if you're looking to, um, you know, improve the value that you bring um, to, you know, the business you work for, but more importantly, to your entire life. So thank you, Michelle, so much for joining us. Um, how can people keep in touch with you and your work besides going out and picking up the book, The Seismic Shift? <laughs> Yes. Uh, just go to my website. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to, to hear how you're doing and what your struggles are. Um, it's www.michellekjohnston.com. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. I don't know why I did not see you on our 100 coaches call. We have got to have another conversation because this was fabulous. We speak the same language. Anytime. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for joining us. We'll have, see you here or hear you here or listen to you next time. Thanks again. Thanks again.